Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, folks? This is another episode of the Candlestick Fantasy Football Podcast on the Fantasy Focus YouTube channel. You're going to see some faces that you typically don't see one-on-one during the week. It's myself and my co-host for the day, Jordan. What's going on, buddy? Not much. What's going on, Bob? We we're just talking about the uh, as we get close here to the playoffs, all the stress we've been going through. So I know we're we're caught up on our stress. Hopefully, all the viewers are uh, either solidified themselves the the playoff berth last week, uh, or are likely with us sweating it out this this last upcoming week. When I tell you this week is going to be fun, so this led me to this conversation. So today we're mixing things up just a little bit. If you're waiting the intro, we're doing top ten takeaways from this week's action. And then me and Jordan, I, I gave him a homework or something. I said, Jordan, I made a spreadsheet. I said, hey, get us some deeper dive. Guys less than 50% owned in leagues that are on waiver wires. They might not be on everybody's waiver wire. We get that. But we each picked a few guys to talk that you can maybe scoop up, stash on your benches, and potentially help you out in the playoffs because they're available in most leagues. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Jordan's already heard all my stressfulness about how fantasy so i'll be tilting with everybody this week i'm super excited i have three playing scenarios where if you win you're in if you lose you're out i am not going to be fun the sunday live show i'm going to be stressing i'm going to be yelling at everybody can't wait i'm super stoked but just to make sure everyone knows you're on the, this is the candlestick kids fantasy football podcast make sure you're following us on all our platforms of course myself at fantasy uh, football x factor on instagram at fantasy underscore tck pod for Sky on Instagram, we got Jordan J. Della Valley 7 on Instagram. We also have Fantasy Focus. We're all on Twitter. Our handles are on the screen. Make sure you're following at Sky Kowasco and at Fantasy Focus. We're trying to do it all, folks. We're giving you content left and right. But this is the good stuff, right? The videos on YouTube, you can see our handsome faces. And if you guys are more, if you don't think we're handsome, that's fine. We give you the audio piece. So make sure you check it out. The audio side, that's all on the on your podcast app. Also Spotify as well at the Candlestick Kids. But before we dive into it, I want to make sure we take a quick shout out to one of our sponsors. That, of course, is Bet Online AG because all our podcasts are brought to you by Bet Online AG. And we'll be back right after this. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NFL season and the NBA season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all football and basketball action this season. Make sure to head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. From football to basketball to NHL to boxing to UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of the 2021 seasons. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So I had to play that commercial ad because that Sky's voice, and I know Jordan won that calming sound. So I wanted to make sure I gave <laughs> that to Jordan bright, bright and early, so he's ready to go. He's sharp. Always our, our fearless leader, Sky. Always there with us in our hearts as well. But all right, Jordan, we're going to do top 10 takeaways from week 13 action. I basically said it could be anything. It could be a, a team takeaway. It could be a player takeaway. So we each picked five. Five plus five equals 10. Nice round number for the fans here. So, Jordan, give us your first takeaway from week 13 that you think is going to be really impactful for the rest of the season. Yeah, so my first one is actually uh, – I went with a player for my first one, but – it was Devontae Parker coming back off of the injury. So had a, had a decent start to the season, but which feels like so long ago at this point. You get into the fantasy football season, you're now 13 weeks deep. You kind of forget about weeks one through four almost and what we saw from some of these players in that span. And so since week four, Devontae Parker's only played once. And so you kind of start to forget about some of these players who um, had a decent start to the season, fell off due to injury. Uh, but are now coming back. So activated off of IR uh, to play this week, uh, but still didn't play as much as he has, you know, in his history, in his career, um, but also these first four weeks of this season, but still played the second most um, offensive snaps among uh, Miami wideouts, obviously uh, behind Jalen Waddle. Um, still puts their decent 
game uh, in uh, five catches for 62 yards. Um, but well, the reason why I really bring him up is because he now enters his buy. And so a lot of fantasy managers, especially going into maybe a must win scenario where they're in the win and get in. Um, if you have the option to either stash him through his buy, you're feeling comfortable with your, your playoff positioning um, or coming out of uh, the buy for next week, keeping an eye on Devonte Parker um, as he should start to be more involved in the offense, um, you know, potentially being cautious with him coming off the injury, um, but to uh, kind of emerge in that uh, fantasy playoff week one, uh, week 15. Yeah, people always forget that Parker, prior to last week, was when he's in the game, he's actually taking the targets away from Waddle. But it, it, listen, he's been out for so long, he eased him back in. I'm sure out of the bye, he'll be 100% healthy. Great call right there. Actually, I'm going team direction. Mine's actually the Chargers DST. Now, all year, listen, early on with Brandon Staley coming over, we early on the season, we're like, this is a very talented defense. Um, but we always talk about this on the offensive side, but we don't talk about enough on the defensive side that, you know, it's a new scheme, right? They have to learn it. It takes time for that to develop. And this, it did not help that this defense was banged up all year. I mean, when I tell you their defensive line was completely destroyed by injuries. I mean, I have, you know, Kenneth Murray linebacker was out for multiple games. Justin Jones, one of their best interior offensive linemen out most of the season. Jerry Tillery, uh, Christian Covington, Linval Joseph, like all their key pieces have been out. And then Joey Bosa with the concussion recently got out of the game. They also have lost Asante Samuel. And I'm bringing this all up because over the last few weeks, they have slowly gotten healthier. They've gotten just uh, Justin Jones back, one of their best defensive tackles. They will get back Linville Joseph next week. They got their stud linebacker, Kenneth Murray, back. But then Asante Samuel has also been out. But this team is slowly getting healthy, and I think they'll be dangerous. And when you look at their schedule rest of season, of course, they have the Giants. And this week, Giants could be thrown out there. And I don't know if you ever saw the show on Netflix, Jordan, the QB1. Have you seen it with um, uh, you know, with the quarterback for the Giants this week? What's his name? Uh, not Fields. Glenn is his name. No, the quarterback for the backup, uh, from Jake from. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Glennon, Glennon's got the concussion. Uh, Daniel Jones has got the neck, and it sounds like Jake Fromm for the Bills practice squad is going to be our starter this week. Super stoked! Now, to keep this in mind, Jake Fromm was on a Netflix TV show. If you've never seen it, it's called QB One. In high school, he was on it, so he was actually highlighted in that program. I bring this up is because that's who the Chargers are going to take on today. This week is Jake Fromm. I personally feel like I typically don't say that you spend money in fab on, on defenses, but if you need to get into the playoffs, I think that they're a slam dunk this week against this Giants deep offense. So I'm, I'm scooping them up, but then they also have well, chiefs is tough. I get that, but then they have the Texans and the Denver Broncos who Denver just got completely shattered by the chiefs. And I think that by that time, this defense is going to be elite. So I love them uh, moving forward, and I think they're a great scoop up, especially if you are if you have a buy and you don't have to face them that first week for the Chiefs. So those are my our first two takeaways, Jordan. Give us another one from Week 13. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you briefly talked about, about your team, the Giants, in, in your first one. So it's only it's only right that I now move on to my beloved Eagles um, and their backfield situation. So going back a couple episodes and I've said this for a couple weeks now, how, uh, Miles Sanders was a potential league winner for me because of the Eagles upcoming schedule, uh, not only against the running back position, but just in football in general, their, their back half of their schedule has been, uh, easy, uh, to say the least, although we did, did lose to your giants a couple weeks ago. Um, but I mean, this, this game, Miles Sanders has a career-high 24 carries, 124 yards. Doesn't find the end zone, but Kenny Gainwell does. Um, and so the Eagles' backfield moving forward is one that you have to keep an eye on. And my biggest takeaway is that, yes, Boston Scott was out all week uh, with an illness, and so he was limited on snaps. Uh, Jordan Howard was out with an injury as well. Um, and now, obviously, Miles Sanders gets injured in, in this game, and so – if you know going into an Eagles game who you're one or even two, um, we saw both backs be productive in this game, obviously against the Jets, but looking at the Eagles' upcoming schedule, it doesn't get any harder for the Eagles uh, and their running backs. And so if you know going into the game, if Miles Sanders is out and Jordan Howard's out and you have a Kenny Gettingwell, Boston Scott, you have a situation where this backfield can be productive from a fancy uh, perspective for two running backs. 
Um, and so in terms of, I know later we're talking about um, waiver wire ads and depending on your league, some of these, you know, how well maybe Scott might be available. I doubt that obviously Miles Sanders, um, Miles Sanders is going to miss time. There's going to be at least one of these three Eagles running backs that are going to be productive. Absolutely. I, Miles Sanders. I mean, he did just enough. Like I said on the show, didn't I say, I know he's going to have a great, he had a solid week. He did just enough to hurt me emotionally. And then he got hurt, hurt me again. So whatever. Classic Miles Sanders. I I mean, honestly, it's nuts. He looked great though. I mean, if this guy could just stay healthy for a full game, forget about it. He'd be a hall of Famer. That brings me to another running back. And I swear it's not going to be, you know, the giants backfield. I mean, Saquon at this point, I don't even know what's going on back there, but anyway, it's actually Devonta Freeman, and when I'm looking at Devonta Freeman, I just I'm li- I might be I'm actually a little late to the party because I've been watching this guy. I'm like you know, eh, they couldn't run the ball all year. They've been rotating running backs. Le'Veon Bell popped in, Lat Murray. You know, they also had uh, Tyson Williams for a while, and then all of a sudden, right around week nine, he started getting starts. And then over the last three weeks, Lat Murray's been back in the lineup. Here are his touch counts, 22, 17, 19. Last week, he out-carried Lat Murray 14 to 2. He is moving into rock-solid RB2 levels rest of season. He's playing on an offense with Lamar Jackson. They can never fixate on the running back, especially in the ground game. You know, preseason, Dweez, who's been on the show a couple of times, brought up the fact that the Ravens' run game, they have like two multiple 2,000-yard rushing campaigns. It's taken a while for this ground game to get it going. But even though the numbers aren't that solid, I mean, he's averaged like three yards per carry in every one of these games, essentially. It's like 3.5, 3.7, 3.2. It doesn't matter. He's starting to get the volume. He's starting to find the end zone. He also has six, three, and five catches in three of those four games, which is also very surprising for Lamar. Yeah. So I just think when I, my biggest takeaway from that is that, like, if you have uh, Freeman, you can start him with confidence. I know Cleveland's a little bit of a tougher ground game matchup. But then they got Green Bay, which is softer against the run. Cincinnati is not that imposing against the ground. So I think that in the playoffs, especially, Freeman could be an asset for you. So, Jordan, give us another takeaway from Week 13 action. Yeah, absolutely. My, my uh, next takeaway would be uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s usage has now uh, – I, I don't think it's something that you can rely on moving forward. And so, obviously, in Cleveland, we've always wanted Odell to have the, you know, the breakout year with Baker. He now – moves over to the Rams and everyone gets excited, especially after the news of the Robert Woods injury um, of what OBJ could have been in a a very prolific Los Angeles Rams offense. Um, Obviously expectedly has a pretty small role in his first game with the Rams back in week 10 and then uh, plays in all but one offensive snap. The, the following game in week 12 Uh, his role that week was do partially do, uh, you know, the size of that was partially due to the fact that um, I'm going to butcher this guy's last name. Uh, the rookie, uh, Skorinek, Skorinek, I think is how you pronounce it. Edgerman. Uh, call him ben. He, That's cool. Yeah, Ben. Big Ben. Ben was out. Uh, we're on a first name basis here. I, I, I don't have Ben's number, but if I did, I'd text him right after. I'd, tell him, I'd apologize for mispronouncing his name. I get it all the time. Is it DelVal, Della Valley? You know, it, it's tough. But anyway, uh, Ben's back this week off, uh, off his injury. And now Oda, Oda OBJ only plays in 56% of uh, Rams pass routes. So his usage is puts him at best the number three on this pass offense and obviously behind Cup, um, but also Van Jefferson. And you now have the uh, obviously Sony Michelle being more involved in the offense because of the Henderson injury. But even before Henderson was active uh, and not playing, uh, McVeigh was talking about getting Sony more involved and being able to uh, trust Sony and keeping this offense on track and where he wants to go in terms of play calling. And so the question now is going to be if we're involving Sony Michelle more, if Odell Beckham Jr. is the three at best, the four potentially behind Ben, um, is this really someone that you can even trust on a week to week basis, especially as you're trying to get into or win uh, you know, one week here and there in the playoffs uh, moving forward for fantasy? Yeah, my guy is actually a rookie. Uh, my next takeaway is actually Elijah Moore. And Oh, every single season, 
the second half, we see these rookies, you know, hit their stride. Some guys, it's funny. It's almost like if the rookie starts hot, they hit a rookie wall. But if they don't start hot, they turn it on in the second half. I don't know which one it is. Right now, we're seeing it with, uh, with uh, Chase. But, you know, anyway, Elijah Moore is – the thing about Moore, it starts with his usage. And we're watching that grow. And we talked about this in player trends over the last few weeks. He's – it's not – it's not – forget about the production. He's leading the team in routes now. And that's where it starts. He's on the field constantly. Then you factor in that Corey Davis just is out. Now he's out for the season. I know, Jordan, you traded for him. I know that hurts. I know. I've been there. I actually traded for um, – I traded for uh, – I was going to tra- – I traded for CMC. So I get it. We even scored by trades. It's not fun, man. But, yeah, it, it, Corey Davis is now done. And that immediately shoves Elijah Moore into that role. I mean, obviously, Keelan Cole, he's lapped him. Even if Denzel Mims comes back, I don't think that's going to impact Elijah Moore in his starting role. But he also did it with with Zach Wilson for the first time. Like we haven't seen it with Zach Wilson. It was it was Joe Flacco. Which by the way, Joe Cool baby, I love how he just Joe Cool. If you play him for sixteen games, you're probably going three and thirteen, or sorry, seventeen games, three and fourteen. But you put him in for one game, he'll he'll look. He'll show you some flashes. I love it. <laughs> but Joe Cool getting it done. But this is the first time. He did it with Zach Wilson, six for 77 and one. Um, that's very impressive. I like to see that. And plus the Eagles, I know, listen, you have a, I know you love and you love them to death and you hate that brings hatred out of you. I get it. But the Eagles have been pretty good against receivers this year and he did it against them. So the great thing about the Jets, they have a terrible defense. Game flow is always going to be in their favor. They're always going to have to throw. You're going to rarely see the Jets being able to dominate games like they did against the Texans. Their schedule coming up, the Saints, Dolphins, Jaguars, and Buccaneers. I know the Bucs and the Dolphins especially have some talent in that secondary, but all four of those teams are in the top 20 in points allowed over the last five weeks to wide receivers. So the matchups will be there. The volume should be there. And I think that Elijah Moore, my takeaway from this, is the Corey Davis injury is he could be a solid wide receiver three, maybe even a wide receiver two if needed. All right, Jordan, what's your next takeaway from week 13? My next one is, is going to be uh, going back to the wide, or sorry, the running back position, uh, and talking about James Conner, who is now coming off of a season high in terms of the offensive snap percentage in Arizona. Obviously, with Chase out, Conner's been getting more work, um, but typically we've seen this offense essentially have a a two running back split um, with uh, Edmonds and, and DJ a couple years ago. This year, early on, splitting between Edmonds and James Conner. Um, Conner obviously leading the NFL in, in rush touchdowns, I think, still at this point. I don't think JT's caught up to him, um, but if not, he's, he's still up there in the top two, three at least. Um, but now we have, obviously, the potential uh, for Chase Edmonds to come back, and the question is, what does that look like for James Conner? And I think that you can be confident moving forward that, at worst, James Conner is going to hit what his usage was before, but I expect it to be probably more than that. A, because Chase Edmonds is coming off of an injury and Arizona is poised to make a deep playoff run. And of course you need that running back depth. Um, So aren't going to rush Chase Edmonds back into a full workload if he's not ready for it. Um, But on top, James Conner has proven to be uh, not only – also a NFL running back for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they pretty much haven't beat with Chase Edmonds being out. And so I think you can look at um, where James Conner is today and probably scale back his usage a little bit with the expectation of Chase Edmonds coming back. Obviously, you know, Benjamin hasn't taken into uh, James Conner's usage at all. But even if Chase Edmonds does cut into it a little bit, we know, or uh, I should say expect, that James Conner's usage is going to be at least a little bit higher than what it was uh, beginning of season when he was still already a, a considerable flex, if not RB2 option early on in the season, just because of his upside uh, touchdown potential. Oh, yeah. He's been awesome. I, it looks like the tough part is Edmonds plays. I mean, you're probably going to roll with Conner anyway this week, right? No matter what. But Edmonds, it's a Monday night game. So, like, Edmonds should be back. Hopefully we know. Like, this brings up flashbacks to Matt Breida for me. When Zach Moss was activated, I was like, that kind of got in my head. And I was like, hmm, does that mean he's not going to get as many carries? I'm like, no, nah, no, he's a, it's going to be a snow game. I'm just, I just got like hot sweats. Anyway, uh, enough about my fears in life, like Zach Moss activate activations. Anyway, mine's Russell Wilson and he, how he looks, he kind of turned the corner a little bit. And 
it starts – I think a lot of people get frustrated, but this guy had an injury to his finger where he had to miss multiple weeks, and then he came back pretty quickly. And if you guys listen to Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc, shouts out to him because he even said, like, right off the bat, he goes, he's not going to be the same for a couple weeks. He said that where, where the quarterback throws the ball and where he was hurt, it's like that's the last finger that touches the football before you fling it. And that's going to affect how the ball comes out of your hand. And, of course, right off the bat, Russell Wilson looks bad. Doesn't look great. And now we're all frustrated with him. But now the San Francisco game doesn't stand. The stats necessarily don't stand out. 231, two touchdowns. But when you actually look at how Russell Wilson's done against San Francisco, those are on par. Last season, 2020, he averaged 221 and three touchdowns in the two games. So he's right around the passing yards. And he actually looked better in this game than he did in the week five or six contest earlier in the season. So it's looking like he's starting to get healthy. And I think that's, uh, that's news for DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. But I think it also impacts Gerald Everett. And we can talk about players under 50% owned. But Gerald Everett's emerged. He had an absolutely horrific game this week. I know he did. But his usage is on the field. And outside of those two receivers, it's Gerald Everett. But I don't think – I think from that standpoint, I think that Seattle Seahawks are going to slowly emerge. If you look at their upcoming schedule, the Texans, which, hello, how you doing? The Rams could be a shootout. Then they got the Bears who – and listen, the Bears are fine. But actually, I got to see – if they're playing in Chicago or not, I want to know right now. Are the Rams playing? Are they playing in Chicago? I'm thinking right out of the air. But the last game they face in the playoffs is, is the Lions. So, I mean, they have a pretty nice schedule uh, rest of season. They're actually playing home against the Bears, so that's even better. Okay, so they got home against the Bears, on the road against the Rams in Texas, and they're home against Detroit. So that's a nice schedule, and I think Russell Wilson is someone that you can buy into rest of season. And honestly, in single QB leagues, he might have been dropped in some cases. But I think the real takeaway is that the Seattle Seahawks offense – and Adrian Peterson, baby, 11 carries, another touchdown. Love it. Could God. be a factor down the stretch. That's Seahawks offense. All right, give us your next takeaway, Jordan. Yeah, my last one is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders offense. And really, I mean, we knew going into the season that this offense was essentially a funnel, and we expected it to be mostly for, for Darren Waller. Um, but what we're seeing is even without Darren Waller, whether it's him or if it's Josh Jacobs that misses time, this offense is – designed to be a funnel for two people Mm -hmm. uh and when it you know we you go back to the game uh week one waller had 19 targets you go back to when josh jacobs missed time and uh peyton barber got like 20 plus carries um typically when you expect uh, a top receiving or a top offensive option i should say miss time uh in an offense typically that volume gets spread around right? You almost, it's not usually a one for one swap where, I mean, Josh Jacobs had nine catches in this game. Uh, Hunter Renfro had another nine, like those two outside of those two, I think Brian Edwards had five targets and Zay Jones had five targets. Like that's it. Uh, Kenyon Drake wasn't involved. It was just, it was a, the Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro show. And so moving forward, I mean, outside of those two, obviously Waller, if he's back, um, I'm not comfortable starting anyone as you make this fantasy push off, uh, playoff push like Deshaun Jackson. Totally get that the guy has a has a deep threat ability and could win you a week with a 60 yard touchdown. But unless you're playing on Thanksgiving, apparently, like what are the chances of that? Is that something that you're really yeah. <laughs> going to be able to to feel comfortable starting in your fantasy lineup? On the on the flip side of that, you're in a half PPR, full PPR league. I mean you got to feel confident of the floor that you have in Josh Jacobs and, and Hunter Renfro. Um, I've actually been, this is, I, I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but in my, uh, my company, my work league, I've uh, had Hunter Renfro almost all season. I think, or maybe I picked him up after rugs was, uh, was, was cut, but I still haven't been able to start him. And I, each week I don't start him. I, I've sit him behind, sat him behind Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin uh, and Debo Samuel. And still haven't have never started him. And every week I make the wrong decision. Like I've never started him, but every week he outscores one of those three guys. And it's just the consistency and the floor that he has in, in a half or a full PPR league that makes him a great viable option moving forward into the fantasy playoffs. It's so crazy. Joe, I mean, me and you are vibing. We've been talking a little bit back and forth because my last takeaway is Hunter Renfro. Uh, that's funny because I actually been watching this guy. We've been talking about him in player trends. For the last few weeks, I've been saying Hunter Renfro isn't a slot receiver anymore. 
Hunter Renfro has moved into the number one role. And you have to take what you think about Hunter Renfro out the window because he's actually not just a slot guy anymore. He's actually about 50-50 outside and out wide now in his routes and his targets. Now, his role still when they go three wide, he kicks inside. But he's on the field now in two receiver sets ahead of Zay Jones, ahead of Deshaun Jackson. He is running the most routes on the team. Um, and I just, to me, I, you have to forget – we sometimes categorize these these guys as a certain player, and we're like, okay, well, we can't trust him because you know he's just a slot guy. He's only a PPR asset. He's way beyond PPR now. Since the Henry Ruggs situation, he's no longer on the team. 8.2 targets, 7 receptions, 72 yards, and .4 touchdowns. That's good for 13.1 points per game and half-point PPR. That's like borderline wide receiver one numbers. That is like basically wide receiver one numbers. And I think that from that perspective, we could just forget about it. There isn't a magic pill. Deshaun Jackson isn't an every-down player anymore. Zay Jones has been, I mean, I guess he's a nice player. Brian Edwards is not ready for that number one role. And guess who is? Hunter Renfro is. So I think if you could forget about the stigma, if you're in PPR, if you're in standard, he's still putting up decent points for you. And I think he's going to be an asset down the stretch, especially with Waller's injury. We don't know if he's going to step right back in. And be an elite. If he's, he's at this IT ban issue, he could be back, but he might not be 100% for another two to three weeks. So that could be another factor. And then we just lost Kenyon Drake, right? So you just brought all this up. And Kenyon Drake's more of the pass catching back. That's just going to funnel more targets to Renfro, Jacobs, etc. So I'm all in on that take too, because I think Hunter Renfro is, a, is moving into that must-star category rest of season because of that fact that he's at the fact of number one, whether it's pretty or not. So those are our 10 takeaways. Jordan, great job. Great research. We love it, man. That's our 10 takeaways from week 13. And this segment was brought to you by our sponsor, Carafactor. And before we dive into some playoff waiver wire, and we talk a little bit about some guys that might be available in your leagues that can help you down the stretch, we're going to take a quick commercial break for Carafactor. And me and Jordan will be back right after this commercial break. Hey, TCK Potters and Fantasy Focus community. Are you looking for options for hair loss? There are many options out there for treating it. However, most products treat the cause such as DHT, and don't do much to support the growth of new and stronger hair. It's like removing harmful weeds from your lawn, but not doing much to fertilize the grass. That's why the Fantasy Focus and TCK team has partnered with Carafactor. Carafactor saw this problem and focused their research on finding just the right combination of biosynthetic growth factors and an innovative delivery system to promote fuller, stronger-looking hair. So whether you're a listener who suffers from various forms of alopecia or even stress-related hair loss, the Care Factor treatment is the perfect scalp-friendly solution that can help and influence stronger and healthy hair throughout all stages of the hair life cycle. And now, exclusively for TCK listeners, use the promo code TCK at checkout to get 15% off all products at shop.mycarefactor.com. That's shop.mykerafactor.com. Carefactor, skincare for hair. All right, Jordan, we got we got myself, we got followers losing their hair, need Carefactor because their fantasy teams are tilting them left and right. So let's help the people out. We've scoured the waiver wire and we found some guys that are under 50% owned that might be available that can help you in the playoffs and maybe even help you right now. So, Jordan, give us your first player that might be on waivers right now that you can scoop up and help you out down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. My, my first one is going to be someone who's going to possibly help you get to the playoffs. Might not necessarily help you in the playoffs, depending on how things go, but it's K.J. Osborne, uh, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, uh, Thielen suffers the high ankle sprain this weekend. Um, could return at some point this season. He was not placed on IR, um, which is encouraging if you're the Adam Thielen owner or obviously a, a Minnesota Vikings fan or just you know want to be a good person and root for Adam Thielen to be healthy. I guess that's a thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> because he could report, return at some point this season, obviously you're not looking at K.J. Osborne as a uh, definite rest of season type of waiver ad here, but uh, Minnesota does play on Thursday this week. So extremely unlikely uh, Thielen did not practice today on Tuesday. Um, so it seems highly unlikely that Thielen is going to play on Thursday, which basically slots KJ Osborne uh, as the wide receiver two in this offense outside of Justin Jefferson. Um, so with Thielen's departure, obviously he's accounted for 10 touchdowns this season, almost 700 yards. Um, 
last week we saw a lot of that volume go to Justin Jefferson, right. With 11 for, for 180 plus. Um, but part of that is probably just because, you know, you're mid game and Kirk cousins doesn't have the game planning, the practice reps snaps, uh, as much with KJ Osborne, obviously as, as Justin Jefferson, but Cousins is now going to have some time to practice with KJ Osborne. We've seen KJ Osborne have success in this offense in the past. And so, you know, going up against uh, Pittsburgh defense this week on Thursday night is someone that you could pick up and add if as a wide receiver three, uh, don't play him in your flex because he plays on Thursday night. Um, and just as a, a little reference here, KJ Osborne is owned in 4% of leagues on uh, Yahoo. And I'm sure it's pretty similar percentages across the board. He's, never been a reliable uh, wide receiver with Thielen and Jefferson healthy. But now that he'll be elevated to that wide receiver two role, someone that you can plug and play for, uh, you know, to make that uh, win in your end type of situation that you've got over there, Bobby. Oh yeah. Um, it's funny. We, we had the same guy, right? So I, I yeah. totally get that. Um, my guy is actually someone that is a little more owned, but he's actually down to like the 30% range is Sterling Shepard. Um, and really, listen, as a giant, I know I said it. I said I wasn't going to talk about the Giants, but I have to do it. Um, it's just, this is not a Giants take. Um, Sterling Shepard has, is one of those guys that we don't think of as a number one, but he is Daniel Jones's guy. Since the beginning of 2020, after the Odell left and after all that stuff happened, and with Daniel Jones, with this new offensive regime coming in, he's averaged 8.7 targets per game in the games where he's played over 50% of snaps. Now, that's a nice little caveat because there's been three or four games in that span that he's left early. But when he's healthy, this guy is locked and loaded. I mean, you're not going to find a guy on the waiver wire that's going to flirt with 9, 10 targets. He has games of 9, 10, and 14 targets in the three full games in 2021. You're not going to find that. There's not guys that walk into those kind of roles. This is Daniel Jones's guys. Uh, it's since the beginning of 2020 in those contests, he averages 12 points per game. Um, so right there, it just seems like, in my opinion, that you're you're not going to find waiver wire guys, plus the injury and everything going on, plus this week they're playing the Chargers, Chris Harris. That's not what you want. But if you look at his playoff schedule, not too bad. I know he's got Dallas, which is a nice matchup, could be a nice high-scoring game if Daniel Jones is back. Then he's got the Eagles, which, you know, I don't think is the greatest matchup, but the Eagles are spotty at best. Against, you know, they have their hits and their misses. And then finally, they play the Chicago Bears, who are a slot funnel defense. So that's where Sterling Shepard makes his living. I just think that at this point, if you got that floating roster spot and you need a guy that you potentially need because of injuries, like you're not going to find a guy like Sterling Shepard, the guy that's going to step into nine targets, maybe even 10 targets in a game on the waiver wire that easily. So I think Sterling Shepard's a guy so people should look in their waiver wires for this week. Who's your next guy, Jordan? Give us another fancy playoff waiver wire guy. Yeah, so my next one is going to be uh, Khalil Herbert. He's currently owned in about 14% of Yahoo leagues. Obviously, earlier in the season, uh, was picked up, had great success, and has basically been schemed out of the offense uh, ever since uh, David Montgomery has come back uh, fully healthy. Um, but in uh, weeks five through eight, when uh, Montgomery was hurt in four games and not four full games because the week five game was the one that Montgomery got hurt in, but... In four games, uh, 78 rushes, 340-plus yards, uh, so averaged almost four and a half per carry. Um, had nine receptions on top of that. Um, so about 13, a uh, little shade over 13 uh, full PPR fancy points per game in that stretch when Khalil Herbert was essentially the uh, starting running back for the Chicago Bears. You had on top of that the – Bears have the second easiest playoff schedule in terms of fancy points allowed to the running back position so far. So they have Green Bay this week. But after that, once you're into the fancy playoffs, you have Minnesota, Seattle, and then Bobby, uh, you picked on my Eagles, so I'll pick on your, your Giants here uh, in championship week for Khalil Makes Herbert. Sense. So especially if you're the David Montgomery owner, obviously Khalil Herbert is a one-for-one -one handcuff where you, you, you lose Montgomery, you can slot Khalil Herbert in right away. Um, so I think it's a no-brainer to me, if you are the David Montgomery owner, to have Herbert on your bench just in case. Um, but even not as the Montgomery owner, I mean, who else do you have on your bench? I mean, at this point in the season, you're not looking yeah. for, you know, someone who's a depth piece or anything like that. At this point, you're looking for someone who, in case of, uh, you know, any injury or anything else happening, someone that can win you that league. And that's Khalil Herbert. He's going to be you know, an RB2 uh, with some of these matchups in RB1. 
um, if Montgomery were to go down. And so someone that should be hanging out on the end of your bench. Absolutely. Handcuffing all those guys, Sony Michelle to Daryl Henderson, all mm-hmm. those players should be on your roster. Especially, I know a lot of people like to play keep away, right? Stash as many running backs, but this point in the season, you, you're not, none of us are that good at fantasy football that we can predict that one, that running back 25 is going to be better than 28 next week. So I'm sorry, get your handcuffs, worry about your own team. I agree 100% with this take. My guy is actually Ricky Seals Jones. Now, Logan Thomas looks like he has a serious injury. He's not going to be out for the season, but it sounds like he's going to be out for the fantasy football season. So he might return for the playoffs, but people forget, listen, this offense fixates on the tight end. I mean, Logan Thomas was hot early on in the season. Then he gets hurt. Ricky Silstone steps in. Very rarely do you see tight ends who actually run the most routes on the week for a team. That's what Ricky Seals Jones was doing in some of the games. He was up there with Terry McLaurin consistently, but he was also producing. I mean, this guy averaged six and a half targets per game, averaging 7.9 points per game in half point PPR in the games he started and finished. The last game he was playing against Tampa only finished about 45% of snaps. He was three for 30. On his way to another great game. I mean, at that pace, he's looking at a nice nine-plus point game in half-point PPR. It's going to be tough to find guys who are on the field. That's the start for the tight end position. There's so many. And I talked about this last week in player trends. You know, there's the average routes run for a tight end to the dropbacks is about 48%. That So when you're seeing a tight end running routes maybe 90 percentile, that is not something you find on the waiver wire. Ricky Seals-Jones is, is everywhere. He's available everywhere. Scoop him back up if you've been kind of bouncing around tight ends. You're not, and he's got just a great schedule. There's no one with a better playoff schedule. They play the Eagles twice, don't they? they do. I, I hate to play. I, the Eagles are great against receivers. They are horrific against tight ends. So that right there is great. And I think sandwiched in between there, they have um, Dallas as well. So I think it's just three great matchups. I don't think it gets much better for fantasy playoff schedules than, than the Washington football team. Ricky Seals-Jones is the guy I want. All right, Jordan, give us your last guy that you would like uh, to bring up, owned in less than 50% of leagues on the fantasy football playoff waiver wire. Yeah, you, you almost have me pivoting here because he doesn't play the Giants, but you, you went back to my Eagles, so I might have to somehow work your Giants into this, but I'll figure it out. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> my, my last one is, is Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, currently owned in about 32% of leagues. A lot of the fancy talk heading into the season was obviously around Trey Lance and his ability to potentially win you um, a fantasy league. And the reason was because of the back half of this 49ers and especially the, the uh, playoff schedule for these uh, 49ers uh, in terms of matchup against the, fa- the quarterback position. They play Cincinnati this week, which meh, but then have Atlanta, Tennessee, and then in, in the championship, Houston. Now, Houston's been okay against quarterbacks. You could probably find a, a better option than Jimmy G just because of how often the 49ers run and how terrible the Houston Texans defense is if you were to get there. But Atlanta and Tennessee have allowed the second and third most fancy points uh, to opposing quarterbacks so far this season. So it doesn't look like Trey Lance is going to be coming in to start anytime soon. The 49ers are in playoff contention still here. Um, and expect that Jimmy Garoppolo is the, the the best option at winning. I mean, if you look at the splits of uh, the 49ers win-loss record with and without Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it's shockingly dis- uh, um, completely different. They're like two and nine without him or something ridiculous like that. Um, so it does, I don't think that Trey Lance is going to take over this starting role here uh, towards the end of the season. Right now, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback 19 on the year. So if you're in a 12-team league, obviously isn't hasn't been great for you in terms of overall. But if you look at who he's already played so far this year, in terms of giving up fancy points to the quarterback position, he's played Arizona, 30th in points against the quarterback position, the Rams, 26th, the Packers, 24th, Seattle, twice, 22nd. He's just had, in terms of a matchup against fancy quarterbacks, a hard schedule so far this season is already, you know, quarterback 19, kind of that upper half of the, of the bottom half per se, but has weapons around him that if weapons were to go down, he has someone to fill, right? Debo goes down. Kittle's still there. Ayuk's still there. Uh, Mitchell takes away uh, some attention from the defense. And so 
has the ability to, you know, not have his potential tanked by missing a star player. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a pretty safe option moving forward uh, for your fantasy playoffs. Yep. He just seems safe. Like uh, just, he's going to get you that like two twenty five and two, and you're going to be smooth. And then random games, you'll have the blow up game, which is nice about him. Uh, I'm actually going to piggyback off one of your takes. It's actually Tyler Conklin. And you know, this Adam Thielen, it's a high ankle sprain. Like these are things like, Chase Edmonds has been out for well over a month. Saquon Barkley missed well over a month. These, this is like, people are actually like acting like Adam Thielen's high ankle sprain is no big deal. Like, yeah, he's going to miss Thursday. Maybe I don't have, I don't think he's had, he has a shot to play Thursday and I don't think he has a shot to play next week either. I just don't see how a guy with a high ankle sprain that typically puts people on IR. I mean, Chase Edmonds got put on IR short-term IR. Um, And it's really, and listen, when you talk about offenses, the good thing about, when you watch the the Minnesota Vikings, they very are funneled into very few people. It's before it was Adam Thielen, and then it would be Jefferson, and then Conklin a little bit, and Osborne, and then maybe a couple randoms here and there. But for the most part, it's just a handful of guys getting targets. Those are the offenses we want to target in fantasy, and we saw it last week. Thielen goes down, fourteen targets for Jefferson, nine for Conklin, seven for Osborne, and then Madison replacing Cook got three. But after that, it's been a bunch of other one-offs. But for the most part, these targets are going to these guys. And listen, Pittsburgh is tough against tight ends, and they have been all year. But it doesn't matter when you're getting volume. They're going to need. They're not going to be able to run with that much success, especially if they're down Christian Darrisaw on the left side. Um, they didn't run that great against Detroit. I mean, Madison did have a nice day, but overall, I think it's going to be tougher to run against Pittsburgh, which is going to force Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins, we can say what you want about that guy, but he's a good football, a good quarterback, and. I want to buy into a player who's going to get maybe seven, eight, nine targets from him um, at the tight end position. And that's not easy to find. So just looking at the numbers from last week, seven for 56, nine targets. But I think it really comes down to the routes run, right? 36 routes to 44 for Jefferson. And I just brought this up a little bit earlier. You know, it averages 48% dropbacks uh, to tight end routes. So I think right there, if you can get me a tight end that's going to be on the field with a good quarterback, I want to buy into that. So if you're surfing the waiver wire, Ricky Seals-Jones and Tyler Conklin are two tight ends that I feel like you can plug and play, especially if Thielen's limited for the next few weeks. All right, Jordan, listen, hey, good for us. Great show. I think it was very informative. A couple takeaways from this week, a couple of playoff waiver wire guys. Is there anything that we haven't talked about today, honorable mention you want to bring up before we dive into some listener questions? Uh, I mean, other thing I just want to talk about is obviously we, we touched a little bit on defenses coming up. You mentioned the Chargers, um, but I'm, I'm curious to just at least spitball with you here a little bit. What's your take on stashing defenses, to, maybe two defenses, taking up that spot? Um, what's your, your strategy on that? And then happy to dive into mine as well. Yeah, well, my first thought is it's, it's good to know there's no defense that has three straight good games. The other thing is if you have a buy – and you know you have a locked up bye, it's time to look at week 16 and 17. That's the key. Forget about your defense for this week. I don't care if you're playing a schmoke team that sucks this week because you already have the bye locked up. It's time to plan accordingly. So you have to look ahead at those schedules. Now, if you're someone who's playing in and you're still not set um, set into the playoffs, forget about the playoffs. You need to make the playoffs first. So go after the best defense this week. Um, But if you're solidified, if you're already in the playoffs and you know you're going to be in the first round, I think it's fine. I do like usually two because there's very rarely you're going to find a defense that has three straight good matchups. The other thing is be fluid. I mean, you're not going to be – don't just start a good defense because you they're good. If they have a bad matchup, uh Bills, Bob. Um, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm just yelling at myself. But you should be on top of trends. Like if the Chargers defense is looking good in a couple of weeks, they might be a better start down the road. So watch the hotter defenses. And sometimes it's the hot hand approach as well, even at defense. Yeah, I mean, pretty much my strategy is, is more so the latter there, like following the, the trends in the hot defense. I personally will typically not do the the two defense because I find I either am in one of two situations. One where I have the buy and I know that typically I have two fantasy playoff matchups where really I can key in on that one defense that has those you know top two matchups at the end there. Um, or I'm someone that I don't feel – great using one of my roster spots on on a defense on my bench right this is the the type of or the time of the season where you think you don't have the best defense in terms of matchup and then daniel jones is out mike glennon gets concussed and you're facing jake from like that's not something that we would have been looking at two weeks ago of like oh in week 14 the chargers defense that's going to be the one right so 
if you have quarterbacks going down in week 16 and 17, and now you're facing a backup quarterback, unless it's Gardner Minshew, I mean, Ooh. you could be. <laughs> you somehow hit, you somehow stayed <laughs> at the Giants and propped up the Eagles all in one sentence. That's very impressive. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. Listen, I mean, I think that's I, I playoff defenses for me. I, I agree. I think either take is fine. I mean, it depends on two. If I have a one roster league that has like eight, nine bench spots. Yeah. That's fine. If you have three or if you have four or five and you're shallow, it's I think it's all roster specific. If And like we talked about, too, if you have a team that's locked up, you have your handcuffs, you have an extra spot in your roster and you're not going to play Russell Gage, uh, for example. Sure, put plop in another defense that you think might help you. I mean, it's all about strategy. Be yeah. open to any option based on your team structure. All right, let's talk. We've got two quick questions, Jordan. I'll get you out of here. First from Anthony. Likely going to need to play Marcus the scantling or Russell Gage. How weird is that? I didn't even realize he had this in the question. <laughs> <laughs> start. You can't start a defense here. This, uh, this week, half PPR. <laughs> Does one merit the start over the other? Jordan, what's your thoughts between these two players? Yeah, um, let me just look up uh, some matchups real quick. So I'm sure I know we're all playing. Gage has Carolina. Right. And, the, and the Bears. And, then, and the Green Bay has the Bears. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, uh, neither is like a matchup I'm, I'm extremely excited about. I mean, obviously, I, I, I lean MVS in terms of, uh, you know, being able to bank on Aaron Rodgers more than uh, Matt Ryan and, and the Atlanta offense. But Gage did have a pretty good week. I mean, he's uh, been able to have solid fancy production in games, especially where the defense is able to limit uh, Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson. Um, but Patterson coming back should be more fully healthy. I mean, uh, I, I think I'll take the big shot uh, blow-up game of MVS uh, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it's – I was going to bring up Russell Gage as someone I kind of liked under 50% owned because the last few weeks, his targets have been fantastic. 7, 10, 5, 10. Last week, 9 for 91 and 1 against Tampa. But he also had 0 for 0 and 0 versus Carolina earlier this year. So the floor is basically 0. Um, so I understand that. Um, they did lose Dante Jackson, which is key there. But they do get Stefan Gilmore, who's getting more up to speed. Um, I'm not – listen, the Carolina Panthers are coming off the bye – and my opinion is that Russell Gage, listen, he was also hurt this season. And he was out for a handful of weeks early on in the year, too. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, with Russell Gage in this asset. Because the Bears' secondary, I think, I I, I got to look up what – now I'm thinking about it. I, I'm actually going to do this right on here. Because Marcus Valdez-Scantling, how has he done historically against the Bears? So I want to know that. So let's see what he did last year. This is a good question. Because I – the Bears are not what they used to be defensively, but two for 87 and one. There you go. And then he was out. And then he had zero. <laughs> so that's exact. So let's do this. So let's the do both this. have you, a floor yeah. of zero. <laughs> His both have a floor of zero. But I think I think Russell Gage offers you a safer floor. If you feel like that you're the underdog in this game and you need some juice at that wide receiver three, do MVS. If you feel that your team is competitive and you might be actually be slightly favored and you just need someone to get you a safe, maybe like eight to 10 points, I think Russell Gage gives you a better option there. All right. Come on. Come on. Hey, Beach, what's going on? I know no, it's no it's no sky today, but hey, it's Bobby and Jordan day. We're all excited. Uh, when do Dynasty League drafts typically start? Um, Jordan, do you have a preference on when you start your Dynasty League draft? So I don't have too much of a preference. The one thing that I do push for is after the actual NFL draft. I know right. some people try to do it before the NFL draft, and now you're kind of predicting the NFL draft on top of your draft of where you think guys are going. And I've done it before, and it, it it's interesting just because you don't know the situation that these guys are going coming into, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Is Najee Harris going to go to Pittsburgh? Is he going to go? Are they going to go somewhere else? Where does uh, Travis Etienne go? Um, but so typically I like to wait until after the NFL draft. Um, and I'm, I'm in the mood. I'm, I'm feeling football right after the NFL draft. Yeah. So I'm, I'm willing to do it the day after the weekend after, um, but it, it's going to depend on, you know, everything that, you know, your league wants to do and, and how long they like to have to, to kind of sit on that NFL draft results. 
Yeah, I think the dynasty aspect of this allows uh, we we kind of get into redraft mode middle of August, and you want to like only focus on redraft. But my personal preference is to like as late as possible. I think honestly, you want to get as much information for everybody. Um, if you feel that you're in a competitive league and you guys want to draft early because you think you know other stuff before training camp start, I personally want to see some training camp reports first. Like, so I would say early August, maybe right before the, everything speeds up. But honestly, I don't, I don't even think if you, if you want to do the draft the same time of year, I think if the more information, the better for everybody, um, get out, get through all that random August injury stuff. And so it, that, but I think the dynasty probably early August, and then you move to redraft halfway through August through the end of the uh, the month. All right, Jordan, that's all we got for today, man. Listen, I appreciate it. This wasn't too bad. I mean, I don't know if we're going to do it again, but you know what? At this point, <laughs> I think we're kind of stuck together every Tuesday, but just kidding. <laughs> it's good, man. We had a good flow. By the end of the season, we're not even going to know Sky's name. We're going to be like, who's Sky? And uh, it's going to be just Bob and Jordan, and people are going to even remember your show on Tuesdays before us. So <laughs> I'm excited for that. But once again, all our episodes are brought to you by Bet Online G on the Believe Podcast Network. This is the Candlestick Kids fantasy football podcast on the fantasy focused youtube channel shout out to all our sponsors bomb banana lightbox before we go i do want to do one more commercial break for lightbox before we end the show today uh but we want to shout out one shout more out to our new sponsor lightbox say goodbye to the dull gifts lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones of blush pink, beautiful blue, as well as classic white diamonds. Lightbox, lab-grown diamonds, are the gift they'll never want to take off and priced so they won't have to. They really make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com and add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds. Never a dull moment. All right, that's Lightbox, folks. Shout out to all our sponsors. Bomb banana hot sauce. I can't say bomb banana hot sauce without making like a cool sound with it. Uh, anyway, Jersey Jungle, shout out to, you know, Bet Online AG and Care Factor. Appreciate all our sponsors. Shout out to Jordan. Great show, Jordan. Say goodbye to the people. We're out of here, folks. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.